For as long as we have lived, for as long as we have known, love has carried us. You're listening to the Sermon Podcast of Genesis West in Robbinsdale, Minnesota. You can find out more about us at genesiscove.org. Enjoy the teaching. The scripture reading from today is from Revelation, chapter 1, verses 4 through 8. John, to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. To him who loves us and freed us from our sins by his blood, and made us to be a kingdom, priests serving his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Look, he is coming with the clouds. Every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And on his account, all the tribes of the earth will wail. So it is to be. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. The word of the Lord. Thanks, Laura. Uh, Let's pray as we um, go to the message. God, thank you so much for um, being with us, even when we feel like we uh, don't know how to approach you. Thank you for... um, continually pursuing us, even when we don't want to pursue you. Thank you for forming us into a community of people who are united around you. And now, um, my prayer is that you open up our ears and our hearts so that we can hear your spirit speaking. Amen? All right, I, I don't know if I've ever preached from Revelation here at Genesis. That's typically a book that I try to avoid for a lot of reasons. There's so many misconceptions about what the book of Revelation is. Um, And there have been many novels written about it that are, (laughs) that have a theology in it that is very recent and very questionable. Um, So, (laughs) so I do want to talk about what kind of literature Revelation is. And so there's essentially two kinds of books in the Bible that talk about Messiah coming. They talk about future events. One type of literature is the prophetic books. So we're talking about Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and those kinds of books. And the word prophet literally just means to bring, or it means to bubble forth like a fountain. So get that picture in your mind. Whatever else the prophetic letters and people are about, they're about bubbling forth the word and words of God to the people so that the people can hear them. And the prophets like Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, all many of the others, they essentially were calling Israel to return to righteousness. And they used prediction as a way to describe what would happen if they did return to God and what would happen if they didn't return to God. So sometimes we think about prophecy in terms of predicting the exact future. Like I remember growing up, I was born in 1970, so I remember seeing 
like, you know, 88 reasons that Jesus will return by 1988. And that was supposed to be, like, does anyone else remember that silliness? So, like, that was supposed to be this prophetic word that we would, that, that the, the exact time could be predicted and the future events would be, and, and then when 1988 came and went, you know, it's like, I wonder what happened to those people. Like, what, what happened to their faith, right? Was it completely shattered? And the people that read those books and, and bought whatever supplies they needed to, you know, either survive or not survive, it just, it's, it's insane. But prophetic literature in the Bible is not there to make a 100% accurate prediction of the things to come. It's to warn people about turning back to God. So, and it's also an announcement of Messiah who will come. But in the prophetic books, different from the apocalyptic letters, the prophetic books talk mainly about Messiah returning for Israel and for Israel only. So Ezekiel 37, it's going to come up on the screen. I will save them from all the apostasies like writing books about Revelation that aren't what they are about, into which they have fallen, and I will cleanse them, and they shall be my people, and I will be their God. My servant David shall be king over them, and they shall all have one shepherd, and my servant David shall be their prince forever. Now, this is speaking about Messiah, who is to come, who's from the line of David, that he would be the king of Israel. So that's what the prophetic books are about. Deuteronomy 30, 19 and 20 speaks to this choice that people have to make. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curses. Choose life so that you and your descendants may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying him, and holding fast to him. For that means life for you and the length of days, and so that you may live in the land that the Lord swore to give your ancestors, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, again, for the house of Israel. Right. So that's what the prophetic books are about, and that's what the Hebrew scriptures all are pointing toward, that Israel has fallen away and the Messiah will come back and restore um, the kingdom back to Israel. When we get to the apocalyptic writings, though, it expands. Messiah is not just coming for Israel. Messiah is coming for the entire world. And so apocalyptic writing, like Revelation and Daniel, is there to reveal. So apocalypse literally just means to reveal or uncover something which has previously not been able to be seen. So um, I just saw, and I promise I won't give any spoilers, but I did just see Fantastic Beasts number two. And if you don't know what that movie is, it's essentially sort of uh, a spin-off of the Harry Potter series, and it's about the world of magic and wizards and, uh, and muggles and the non-magical and how they come together. And there's this scene in Fantastical Beasts Part 2 that um, sort of the main bad guy, Grindelwald, he is uh, this wizard that is all about restoring um, the, the wizarding world back to its mighty place. Um, and he's saying uh, that they need to subjugate not other wizards, but humans. And there's this scene in there where he gathers all these people together, and then he gives them a picture. This, and the movie's set in the late 20s, so after World War I, but before World War II. And so he says to, he shows people this picture of more war, and even 
atomic bombs are going off. And so he's giving them this picture of the future that will happen if they don't subjugate humanity. Now that, my friends, is apocalyptic language, right? Giving people a picture of what will happen if something else doesn't happen. Now, um, unlike Jesus the Christ, <laughs> Grindelwald was a bad guy. <laughs> and, and he was trying to subjugate humanity because he thought this was the only way that peace was going to come, but it was going to come through violence and through war. So um, the apocalyptic writers in the Bible used predictions and visions to describe that salvation would only come through Messiah, but that Messiah wouldn't restore just Israel. Messiah would reign over all people and would reign forever. Now, this language of reigning and kings and kingdoms is very foreign to us, right? So all play question in the time of Jesus and before, what was a kingdom? A kingdom was a place where one person ruled everybody else. So you got your little plot of land, and you paid taxes to the king, and if the taxes were 70%, guess what? You paid 70% taxes. You lived and died on that same plot of land, and you were subject to that king. So if it was a good king, your life was, but if it was a bad king, your life was not good. If it was a king that wanted to subjugate you and your people, then your life was going to be very bad. And the story of the scriptures is written by people who were subjugated over and over again by bad kings. The Babylonians, the Persians, the Romans. So when you read the scriptures, you have to remember that they're written by people who have been dominated for generation after generation. But if you're a person that lives in the U.S. of A, you have, most of us in this room, most of us, have not been dominated and have not been subjugated. So it's very difficult for us to climb into the world of a people group who've been generationally dominated and subjugated. So the news that Messiah was coming to save you was really good news, right? But if that news was expanded to include saving not only you, but also those who subjugated you, how do you respond to that as a real human? Not fair. How else? <laughs> that sucks. Yes. You've got to be kidding me. Doesn't matter if you're good or bad. You're just going to get saved? Yeah. Is Hitler... Is Jesus' love so good and so expansive that even Hitler will be saved at some point? Right? Now, apocalyptic writing also, to be fair, includes a very serious, decisive judgment that the righteous will be rewarded with salvation, the wicked will be punished. Okay? So that's apocalyptic writing too. So there's a way in which you can say, well, 
Jesus will come and reign, but only those who say the prayer when they're four years old and again when they're at camp, uh, when they're 12 years old, and again when they're... (laughs) Now, that's not everybody's story. I I keep talking to people at Genesis who are like, every time you share that kind of stuff, like post-evangelical stuff, I don't even get it. I didn't grow up in that way. So just laugh along with people and, and, and thank God that you didn't. Here's apocalyptic literature from Daniel. As I watched, and this is going to come up on the screens, as I watched in the night visions, I saw one like a human being coming with the clouds in heaven. That echoes what Laura just read from Revelation 1. And he came to the ancient one and was presented before him. Who is the ancient one and why was he presented before him? To him was given dominion and glory, again, just like Revelation 1 that Laura just read, and kingship, that all peoples, all nations, and all languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that shall not pass away, and his kingship is one that shall never be destroyed. So different from the prophetic books, the apocalyptic messiahship is forever. Revelation eleven fifteen: the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. So then the question is, who is Messiah and what kind of Messiah is Messiah? So let's go back to, finally, let's get to the text for today. After all that, that was just the intro. Uh, Verse 5 from Revelation 1, Jesus the Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. So we have three descriptions of Jesus the Christ, Messiah. First of all, he's the faithful witness. So essentially what a witness is, is you give evidence to what you've seen and heard. And so Jesus was the faithful witness prophet who gave witness to what he had seen and heard from God to humanity. So in the story where the prophets speak and bring the word of God, Revelation 1, the writer is saying, Jesus is the faithful witness, the faithful prophet. He's the faithful one that said how God was as it really is to to the people. So then you think back, well, what did Jesus say about how God was like? The Pharisees and tax collectors and prostitutes, and what was his message? His message was love. What else? Grace and forgiveness. So the true faithful witness didn't speak of adherence to law, spoke of grace and forgiveness. Jesus is the prophet, the true prophet, the true faithful witness. He's the firstborn, the Greek word is protakos, so we got our word prototype, firstborn of the dead. Now, we're, now it sounds like zombie town, right? What is this? So Jesus is called the firstborn of the dead because, and again, this is all symbol and metaphor and language, but Jesus lived Israel's story all the way to the end, and he died because Israel was not faithful. Israel did, and by Israel, I mean us. Let's not think, um, you know, a certain religion or not. We were unfaithful, so Jesus lived out that story to the end and died. But his death gave birth to a new story where humanity was reborn through the resurrection. So Jesus is the firstborn among the dead, the prototype of a new humanity. The firstborn of a new humanity. So 
in many ways we say Jesus is unique because he fully embodied the divine and fully bodied humanity, and he did. But what the writer of Revelation is also saying, by Jesus being the firstborn from among the dead and the prototype of all to come, the writer is saying what about us? We're God's kids. We are dust and breath. We are human, and we carry the divine spark within us. Because Jesus was the firstborn from among the dead. And that should make you go. So when you lock eyes with people, Republican, Democrat, us, them. What if instead you said, reflection of the prototype? Reflection of the prototype. Reflection of Jesus the Christ. Ruler of the kings of the earth is the third description. So, not just king of Israel, but king of all of humanity. So then you got to ask the question, what kind of ruler of the earth would Messiah be? So verse 5 and 6, that Laura read, to him who loves us and freed us from our sins by his blood and made us to be a kingdom, priests serving his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. So right there in Revelation 1, we have the understanding that this Messiah, this king to whom we pledge allegiance and to whom we, are, um, we pay taxes and we get our plot of land, that king loves us and freed us and made us to be a kingdom of priests serving his God and Father. And in the original languages, it doesn't say a kingdom and priests. It says kings and priests. So in this new humanity, where Messiah is king, what does he invite us into? Dominion. What does that even mean, Will? Responsibility to do what? I heard of, thank you, Will, I heard a very interesting thing that Richard Rohr said this week on his podcast, and he said, and I don't even know what to think about this, but it's, it's intriguing. He said, the second coming of Jesus is his church, the body of Christ in the world. Now, I don't think that means that Jesus won't come again to sort of finally make all things new, but what if we thought of ourselves as a kingdom of priests to serve in the way that Jesus did and does. What does a priest do? We learned this last week, right? What does a priest do? Man, none of you heard last week. It's, it's amazing. <laughs> priest teaches. Priest is a mediator between God and people. What happens when all of us are mediators? 
will say it. Nothing. <laughs> and I think the reason why Will said that is because, well, it's your responsibility. Well, it's your responsibility. Well, it's your responsibility. But what if we saw each other as image bearers, reflections of the prototype, and so we could receive from each other the gift of being loved by God and the reality of that through a meal maybe or through prayer or through healing or through just listening? And what if we could also convey that to each other? What if that's what the church really was? And I kind of think that is what the church really is. But not just for each other, but for the world. A kingdom of priests, the common priesthood, where now the ground is level, and it's all of our responsibility to bring the light and life of Jesus into the world, not in some really weird colonialistic way where I'm going to sign you up, but in a way that just the love of Christ is in me and the love of Christ is in you. And I'm going to be a, a priest to you and a priest from you. I'm going to receive God's love from you and give God's love to you. I mean, that would be a radical understanding of what it meant to be a common priesthood. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Here's a graduate level all play question to end. What does that mean? I'm the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come. I'm the, I'm the leader of us all, yes. He's eternal. Come on, keep going. What's your name? Cooey? Cootie. Say it again, man, because that was so good. He's eternal. He's infinite. He lives outside of the bounds of time. That means he can meet you here right now, just like he met with Moses at the burning bush. Right? Here he is. The ultimate what, Verna? The ultimate verb. Yes. You know, when he said, I am what I am, really what that translates, I will be what I will be, he answered himself, God did, to Moses as, I am a verb. <laughs> I will be what I will be. I will show up when I will show up. Yes, Jen, all things and more than you can imagine. That's good news, right? And this king is coming, but has come. And the kingdom of which we are priests, has already established itself on earth. Every time someone chooses to serve the God who is represented in Jesus, the Messiah. Amen. Amen.